Southeast Mortgage, the official home loan lender of the Georgia Bulldogs, presents the official podcast of Dogs on Demand on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. On today's program, we'll give you the latest news from the world of University of Georgia Athletics and more. And now, from the broadcast studios of Dogs on Demand, here's your host, Chris Hall. Chris Hall here for Dogs on Demand on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. It's our uh, great pleasure to have Bryce Kuhn with us. Bryce, of course, uh, works with 247sports.com, the uh, Crowded Booth uh, podcast as well. He does a lot of stuff. He does a great job in everything that he does, and it's always great to have Bryce on our program to talk a little bit about football, and we got some stuff to talk about today. Early signing period, of course, coming up. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then, uh, you know, a week from Saturday, finally, finally, it'll get here uh, when uh, when uh, Georgia will be taking on Ohio State. And we'll talk about that a little bit as well. Uh, Bryce, good to see you. Good to have you on our program today. How are things going with the uh, the Coon uh, household these days? Going well, getting ready for Christmas. You and I were just talking about that before we started the show and uh it's almost here, and like you said, with Christmas time, you get ready for playoffs and you get ready for uh, the national championship, which a lot of dog fans are going to be hoping that they see their team uh, in uh, with Los Angeles this year. Yeah, uh, Los Angeles this year, so it'll be exciting. Yeah, and uh, it did. SoFi Stadium is the ultimate destination for where uh, the Georgia Bulldogs want to go. Now, tomorrow's the uh, early national uh, signing day. And right now, 247 Sports has Georgia with the number two ranked uh, team, uh, you know, the signing uh, the, the class uh, for uh, this uh, this go around uh, with Alabama. You know, typically you have Alabama number one. Then you have, you know, the other guys nipping at their uh, heels. You have uh, Georgia and then you have Notre Dame also in there and some other guys as well. As we approach National Signing Day, just from a national perspective, uh, and maybe honing in a little bit with the Georgia class, uh, you would expect Georgia to add to their class. Do they have a shot at maybe catching Alabama with the number one ranked uh, signing class for this uh, this cycle? Yeah, I was reading some stuff on this kind of in prep uh, that the 24-7 national page had. And I think w- one of the biggest things when you look at this class is I think Alabama has more five-star talent. So it's how is it weighted? You know, um, they've got more five stars, but Georgia has a chance with a couple of guys, uh, you know, early to early Wednesday morning, kind of late Wednesday afternoon. If they could they could win some of those battles and Alabama maybe lose on one or two, uh, the number is going to be really close. That little power ranking index is going to be really, really close uh, for Georgia to maybe take them over. But look, it's those two teams. It's those two programs right now leading the way. You mentioned Notre Dame's in the mix. Marcus Freeman has a pretty good class in his first full year recruiting. Uh, LSU is up there as well with an impressive class. Brian Kelly being able to pitch, hey, we went to an SEC championship with a roster that was decimated last year, uh, this time last year. So he's being able to pitch some things. So I think you're seeing some teams, I don't want to say start closing the gap, but gap, but they're still the number one, number two favorites, Alabama and Georgia. And tomorrow and Wednesday will be an exciting day uh, to kind of see how that folds out. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, if, if you're in the top four, top five, you do, you've done good, you know, and, and who knows, who knows mm-hmm. how the classes are going to play out. You know, that's just the projection and uh, that kind of thing. So, 
I think if you land in the top five, hey, you've done a great job. And, you know, uh, what is the difference between number one and number three or whatever? It uh, There's not a whole lot to that. Uh, and, of course, the portal. Here we go with the portal again. You know, uh, there's a lot of movement in the portal, the transfer portal, a lot of guys going into the uh, transfer portal. And the scuttlebutt is that Georgia may have a couple of surprises coming in. Uh, through the uh, transfer portal, especially a wide receiver. And also mm-hmm. Travis Hunter is sitting out there, and they're courting him uh, pretty heavily. So you might see some dips and some flips and some guys coming in through the portal. It's going to be kind of an exciting day, you know, for, for Georgia fans, but also fans of all of these uh, all of these uh, colleges. Um, and, of course, we get up early and we, we stay with the timeline. Who's going to sign and who's going to – Send in their uh, letter. Uh, any idea of maybe a major surprise amongst uh, some of the teams that uh, maybe people are not uh, anticipating at the moment? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned one out of the portal, and I don't know if he's going to sign uh, necessarily, you know, um, on tomorrow. But but Travis Hunter's one of those. I mean, does he follow Dion to Colorado? Georgia's heavily involved with him as well. You know, what does that look like? I think one that I'm excited to kind of keep an eye on, it doesn't pertain to Georgia, but it does pertain uh, to some of their counterparts, is um, Desmond Ricks, a uh, relative of Eli Ricks, who played in, at Alabama this past year. Um, this is a guy who is being really heavily courted by LSU. Um, Alabama has been in the mix. Auburn has, you know, with Hugh Freeze trying to get back into the the mix for a five-star defensive back. And so that's one that's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, you know, there, there's going to be battles. There's always a surprise. I mean, what was it last year? Travis Hunter going to Jackson State over Florida State. I mean, there's going to be something that we don't see coming that's going to kind of pop up and we're and it's going to be the talking point for the next two days. You know, how does this affect their class? Um you know, strictly signing day, I don't want to say that it has been watered down due to the portal. I mean, to me and to you and to many fans, it's still a national holiday of yeah, some, some yeah. sense, you know, to, to be able to tune in and be able to do some different things and, and kind of watch that timeline fold out. You, you talked about, but, you know, I think that uh, there's going to be some portal announcements tomorrow that are going to be high impact guys. I think there's going to be, you know, you're going to see a team or two that maybe is, you know, per 24-7 sports rankings in the 30s. Maybe they make a big get. Maybe they win a battle that is able to put them to the forefront and help. You know, if it's a team that came off a rebuilding year that could we talk about this, you know, next September, next October. There's a reason why they may be in line to go to their conference title or to challenge for a playoff spot, you know. Um, TCU was one of those teams. They had a good kind of class that was brought in by Sonny Dykes, and now we're sitting here talking about them being in the playoffs. So, you know, it's cool to look back on those storylines from early signing day into the February day as well uh, to kind of point and, you know, see how to connect the dots going forward. Yeah, it, it, it's, you know, it, it's going to be fun to watch all of this. And, you know, you got the top tier guys, you know, who have been there, and they just keep stacking it up. I mean, George is an example of that. You just keep adding these top one or two or three, uh, you know, rank classes, and you just keep stacking it up and you can't just keep reloading. And uh, that's that's the key to success, uh, you know, to stay for mm-hmm. a sustained period of time uh, in the upper echelon of uh, college football. Well, of course, we're looking very much forward to uh, the uh, college football playoffs. Uh, you know, the four teams are involved, obviously, Michigan versus TCU in the Fiesta Bowl. And then you have uh, Georgia taking on Ohio State in the Peach Bowl. 
you know, it's it seems like forever since Georgia played that game against LSU. And I mean, it, it just seems like, you know, such a long stretch now. And I was talking to, to uh, Gary Stoken, who is the CEO and president of the Peach Bowl, about expanding the playoffs to 12 teams. And I, I think one of the advantages of that is that, that you know, you're still going to have championship, uh, conference championship games, um, you know, simply because of the money aspect. They generate a lot of money. But then, yeah. you know, you don't yeah. have that you don't have that long layoff of of college football. It seems like, you know, you have Army Navy after the championship games and what a great game that is. But you you don't have that long mm-hmm. layoff of these high profile games and that'll that'll be something I think that is positive about uh, expanding to 12 teams. I like the 14 format. What do you think? Uh, just your personal opinion as we look forward to 2024 and expanding to 12 teams. Good thing? Too many teams? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, this has been an ongoing conversation. I think you and I have had this conversation before, you know, kind of when the first conversations first started about this. But I think that uh, my biggest thing was would it water down the regular season? Yeah. You know, that was the biggest concern. <clears throat> Some of the concern is, okay, uh, the LSU Alabama game. There was an unreal football game this past year. I mean, will it mean as much? Um, and look, we're all going to still watch college football, oh, yeah. no matter if they did a 64 team bracket like they do March Madness. We're going to watch it. I'm going to tune in. I would say this, though, with the 12 teams, you're going to see some big profile games. Concerned with maybe winning a buy, getting a buy to go into the you know playoff. You're going to see there's a, one of those fringe teams, maybe a 13th, 14th ranked team. I think of teams like Ole Miss that constantly sits in that 15, top 15 rank kind of area. You know, are they going to be a team that that makes a move up? Uh, LSU this year, like the SEC title game would have been huge for LSU because if LSU would have won that football game, they were going to be in the playoff. Um, and maybe not, under, you know, would they have gotten the recognition? You're going to see a lot more competition towards the end of the year, which I think, one, for the TV revenue, they're going to love it. They're going to absolutely love that. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's it's really kind of pick your poison. I mean, there's people who love the 14 playoff. I know some a good friend of mine, he loves the BCS format. He said, just take the top two. Like he said, I would have just rather seen Michigan and Georgia play for the national title. Like like, like I don't really need to see um, Ohio State. There's a lot of people who didn't want Ohio State to get in to begin with, uh, you know, kind of that fourth spot, a lot of controversy. So all of that to say is uh, we're still going to watch it, you know, for the health of the sport. I, I don't think it's going to diminish it. I mean, I, I'm not one of those doomsday people that say it's going to, you know, destroy the sport. Because look, we're all still going to watch it. We're going to buy tickets. We're going to buy the merchandise. Um, you know, so it, it it is college football. It's just going to continue to change as much, really and truly, Chris. Uh, you know, it's changed over the past 20 years. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are people right here, maybe not on Zoom. I don't think it was invented yet, but yeah. people talking, talking, you know, at the diner about how, man, you know, this BCS format or this, you know, what are we going to do with this and stuff like that? You know, that they thought it would be doomsday for college football. And look where it is now. It's stronger, probably the most prominent sport here in the United States. Yeah. I mean, uh, college football has survived the portal. Uh, it survived yeah. NIL so far, you know, uh, the all the NIL deals. And this is going to be another thing. The college football, it will, mm-hmm. it will, it will evolve into what it is, you know. And uh, it's kind of, you know, when when the basketball uh, playoffs come around, you know, college uh, and the basketball tournament, you got the, all of the dig about the, you know, the bubble teams and first team in and first team out, and 
And you're going to have the same thing with college football. I, I just love it. I do, personally, I love it. Let's get it on and yeah. and, and let's play. And uh, you know, the lower divisions uh, below the uh, FCS division, they have the playoffs and they play those, you know, sixteen games or whatever it is. And uh, you know, the major, the, mm-hmm. the you know that major classification can do uh, the same as well. Now we're we're pointing toward uh, the Peach Bowl game, especially that is most interest of obviously. The Georgia fans. And so you got Georgia, number one, ranked Georgia in the college football playoffs against Ohio State, ranked number four. I, I think, you know, this this was the game that a lot of people may have thought would be the championship game, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. there was a lot of speculation about that when uh, the season began. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I, I come from the Larry Munson school of every every team that Georgia plays is the best team they've ever played in their whole, you know, life. Uh, you know, I'm always I'm a doomsday yeah. kind of guy. I sit on the couch and say, oh, no, we're not we're not going to handle this team. You know? And and uh, but but for some reason, when I think about Georgia and Ohio State, as I do, you know, my due diligence and studying and that kind of thing. I feel kind of good about this matchup. I, I think Georgia matches up very well with Ohio State. Um, I think it's going to be a good game. Uh, it, it'll come down, you know, to the fourth quarter and who can do what they need to do in the fourth quarter. But I, I think Georgia matches up pretty well with Ohio State. And, uh, you know, I'm I, I, Georgia's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, I, I'm just looking. I think Georgia's going to win this game. What do you think? You know, I think that there's a reason that Georgia's number one in the country. And for yourself, uh, fans like my dad, who, who grew up really in the Larry Munson era, uh, who have that doomsday approach. I mean, look, Ohio State's a talented team. If Ohio State shows up in the way that they can, it's going to be, I mean, they've got a legitimate shot to win the football game because they do have a lot of talent. Now, the problem is, Chris, is that we've seen that talent disappear go on and off a lot this year most notably uh, against Michigan in the last regular season game of the year so you know I think when you look at the roster CJ Stroud and all these different things okay offensively they got a lot of weapons a couple of things that that kind of stand out to me Georgia's secondary LSU found something with yeah. with uh young Nussmeyer that played quarterback there came in they found something and Kirby Smart was able to kind of correct it Luckily, Georgia had a big enough lead where they never really were truly in danger. But LSU did make some things interesting. I think there was a pivotal moment in the third quarter where you were like, if they score here, they could make it like a two-possession game, and it could really get interesting. But you know Ohio State watched that tape. Like, you know that they looked at that. How can we exploit that? Um, you know, I think, but it's also fair to look at how has Georgia fared against elite receivers? You know, was talking with a good friend of mine who covers Georgia, and he was saying, you know, okay, you go back to the Tennessee game. Did a fantastic job of that. Uh, you look at LSU, who has some really good receivers. This is probably the third game where you face, you know, some really, I'll say, NFL-type receivers uh, that Ohio State has. So how does Keely Ringo match up against this? You know, how do guys like Kamari Lasseter, uh, how does a guy like Malachi Starks, you know, who has had his moments, but he's also had some freshman moments, you know, what 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 do you see in, you know, him in this kind of primetime matchup? There's obviously reason to be excited about it, and I think that that is a good reason. And then kind of the second point I turned out is, which receiver steps up in this game for Georgia? Uh, Ohio State is number two in the country, if I'm not mistaken, against running backs and tight ends. Right. And we all know the adage against Georgia is that Kenny McIntosh is going to catch something out of the backfield. Uh, you know, the emergence of some other guys in the backfield, especially uh, a guy like Kendall Milton, who came on strong the past couple of weeks for Georgia. 
And then Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington, I'm sure we may see Oscar Delp somewhere in there as well. But, you know, I think that the health of A.D. Mitchell is going to be huge because he has been a polarizing player in his short time in Athens for me. You know, the spring game his freshman year, we were all talking about three-star A.D. Mitchell. Where did he come from? He wasn't as highly recruited. He and Lad McConkie. McConkie's a fantastic player, but I think that, you know, Mitchell's an X factor for Georgia. Can he get, can he take the top off of the defense? Can he be one of those guys? Um, And then, you know, the health of Arian Smith, is is he healthy? When he is, he's one of the fastest players in college football. So, you know, I think that Georgia has a lot of things positive going for this game. Uh, And to me, the biggest key is the fact that you have Kirby Smart and Stetson Bennett. Um, At this point, you know, with those two guys, you have to feel really confident heading into any football game. Yeah. And just just the the swagger that they have, the moxie, the confidence. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing to say that Stetson Bennett is a really good rhythm quarterback. Yeah. Uh, because he is when he and any quarterback really is. But if Stetson gets into a rhythm early on and this offense starts clicking, um, I think the pressure's all in Ohio State. I think it is because, uh, you know, Georgia's sitting pretty right now. Even Like, I'll, I'll play a little doomsday for you, Chris. Even if Georgia loses this game, and there will be fans that say, man, we should have won it. But if you take a step back, you won it last year. So it's not like you're saying the, the narrative's gone that Kirby can't win the big game, that Stetson Bennett can't win the big game if you lose it. The pressure's really on Ryan Day in Ohio State. No one really thinks they should have been in the playoff. They've already gotten blasted once on live national television against another playoff team. Um, so I think the pressure relies most or sides mostly with Ohio State. And I do agree with you. That was a long-winded way of saying it, but I think that Georgia uh, is the favorite for a reason. And I think they can walk out of uh, you walk out of Mercedes-Benz for the third time this year and uh, hopefully win number three for them. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, Georgia playing their third game in Mercedes-Benz in this season. And, you know, uh, from this Georgia team, what I have noticed uh, about this, what makes this Georgia team, I think, an exceptional team is they can do whatever they need to do to win. If if you're in a shootout, mm-hmm. Georgia can shoot out with you. If if you yeah. need to lock it down, you know, with a running game and control offense and, you know, a stifling defense, they can do that as well. I, I think Georgia has proved that whatever needs to be done in a game, if they need to run and gun with you or if they need to – you know, play stout defense and and run the ball and control the ball, they can do it. And so I I think that's one of the big advantages uh, for Georgia. And Stetson Bennett is older than like, you know, uh, 50% of starting quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, he's he's a very experienced uh, uh, guy, obviously. And uh, so I'm looking forward to to that game as well. Now, the other game in the Fiesta Fiesta Bowl is Michigan and TCU. Now, you know, what an interesting matchup. Uh, I've been trying to crunch some numbers on that one, kind of look at that game, try to evaluate that game. Michigan, obviously an impressive team, uh, had a great season, uh, that big win over Ohio State. Uh, you know, they were getting hit a little bit with a soft schedule, but, you know, they came out against Ohio State and took care of Ohio State. Uh, TCU coming out of, you know, coming out of nowhere. I think they were, you know, Projected to be the fifth team in the you know the the big uh, the Big Twelve, and they came out, come out and uh, do what they have done. TCU has done what an interesting game. And as I study this game, you know, I kind of rely on my heart as my head kind of studies this stuff. I think TCU's got a shot in this game uh, against uh, against Michigan. I, I, this is going to be an intriguing game, isn't it? 
No, I think it is. Uh, I, I remind myself going back to conference championship weekend, and uh, I was sitting on the couch watching, you know, uh, Doug and lead his team, you know, down that crazy drive to win the to to tie the game, yeah. to go to overtime. And TCU obviously ended up losing the Big Twelve championship. But you know, anytime you have a competitor like that at quarterback. And Georgia fans can attest to this last year. A, a guy that isn't the most highly valued, you know, has, has a chip on his shoulder, which I think Max Duggan does. Um, you, know, you really have to kind of like that your chances. TCU, uh, is, I think they're playing with with house money. You know, it's kind of just no one expected them to be here. They're just kind of rolling and seeing what can happen. Uh, you know, they're going up against a Michigan team that, you know, ultimately, Chris, I, I think it's going to be Georgia and Michigan in the national title. I think Ohio State or Ohio State and TCU both have cases to win their respective games. Um, but you know, Michigan, this is a little bit of a vengeance tour for them. You know, they they they've got a different quarterback in place now, JJ McCarthy, the full time starter, who brings a little bit more down the field presence. I think uh, they, you know, even after losing the two pass rushers they had last year. The defense has been very, very good. Uh, so I think all of this to say is, you know, I think TCU is going to have to try to take some shots early and try to steal the momentum away. Uh, because, look, Michigan is a talented football team. And Michigan is built, and I'll say this, and I'm sure you guys, will, if Georgia advances, we'll do a preview of the national title. And so remember this, bookmark it, Chris, so you can say this, because this is what the this will be wise words. Michigan is a bill a lot like Georgia. Yeah. I don't think they have the talent level that Georgia has, but from the physical makeup, the roster makeup, Jim Harbaugh, not that he copied what Kirby Smart did, but I think he looked down and saw what other teams were doing. And so we have to be physical. And I think we're starting to see that offense be a little bit more explosive. But, you know, Blake Corum being out, that's going to be huge for them. The running back for Michigan, the model people thought could be a Heisman finalist. It's going to be a fun game, man. I, you know, I say all these different things to say that, you know, fest, the playoff is so much fun. Bowl games are, I love bowl games. Like I, I'm one of those people that sat down and watched uh, UAB against Miami of Ohio in the Bahamas Bowl last yeah. week. You know, it's just, it's yeah. a lot of fun, the competitive nature. And obviously in the playoff is going to be really nice as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it will be a lot of fun. So, it's coming up, uh, you know, and uh, we'd like to say Merry Christmas to everyone. Merry Christmas to you and your family. And uh, we want to say Merry Christmas uh, to everyone who uh, joins us here. And, uh, you know, we'll ha we'll have a wonderful Christmas day. And then we'll watch some NFL over the weekend. We'll watch some NFL and some bowl games. You know, obviously, they'll be piling up here as we get closer to uh, New Year's uh, New Year's Eve kind of interesting that these playoff games are on New Year's Eve. I, again, I was uh, talking to uh, Mr. Stoken, Gary Stoken from the Peach Bowl. I said, look, you know, the the, the Peach Bowl game is going to start at eight o'clock. It could very well be that you'll still be playing football when the New Year hits. And I, I said, I have an idea for you. You know, since it's the Chick-fil-A, you know, Peach Bowl, let, let's take a cow and put a cow up in the top of Mercedes Benz and let the cow slowly come down. As we get close to, to midnight, they have the, you know, yeah, they have the peach drop in Atlanta, but that's old news. Let's do the cow drop. What do you think about that? He he said he liked the idea, but he like didn't it. know logistically, like you know, if it could happen. And what do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me he's got one more year to work on it. We're going to need it for next year going into 2024. And I like that. I remember last year, I think Georgia and Michigan played obviously in the Orange Bowl and it was the nightcap on New Year's Eve because I remember watching the game and then like 30 minutes later, 
is, you know, you know, I'm watching Dick Clark's, you know, New Year's Eve celebration. So, yeah. you know, it's one of those things that uh, it's a fun time of the year and it's a lot of fun because, look, it's going to be a cold January, February, March, and then the dog days of summer till we get back at it. There you go. We'll have to fill it in with the Braves. You know, how did we let Swanson go? Did we, did we oh. like that move? Did we like that move? <laughs> you know, was he worth all of that money? I hated. I hate to see my Freeman go, and now my Swanson go, and I don't know. Yeah, you know, we mm -hmm. we love the Braves, so we'll cap it off with that. What do you think about we the do. Swanson move? We do. I'll say this: I love Dansby Swanson. Yeah, I think that uh, as a player, a leader. Um, the way he stepped up as the leader in the locker room. I mean, and that's not, we have no insight. It's just, you know, that's what everyone was saying. The, you know, the players were saying the way he stepped up with, you know, um, Freeman being gone. But this is where I rest easy. We won a World Series with him. He delivered on what he wanted to do in his hometown. His wife plays for the professional soccer team in Chicago. He recently just got married. And Chris, my, unlike how it felt with Freeman, this felt like his decision. And I'm going to tell you this, if a team offered me around nine, 10 million more dollars and I get to go live in and, you know, now go live where in a place where my wife calls home and plays her professional sport, I can't say I would say no. So I love Dansby Swanson, no ill feelings. And it probably also helps that the Cubs are not contending for a World Series anytime <laughs> soon. So when <laughs> Chicago comes, it'll be kind of fun to welcome him back. And when we go up to Wrigley, so I'm OK with it. Um, you know, there's a lot of talent that Atlanta has. And two, from what I've heard. They were going to have to pick between Swanson and Max Freed. If if we get to keep Freed, you know, yeah. and keep him a brave forever, I'm I'm okay with that. You can never have too much pitching, in indeed. And you know, to be honest with you, the, exactly. I, the exactly. only guys I know of who are worth twenty five million dollars a year in salary are you and me. I mean. You know, I just, so there you go. Well, that, yeah, I'm <laughs> waiting for Alex Anthopoulos to give us a call. Hey, I'm waiting. <laughs> All right, Bryce Coon's been with us. Uh, Bryce, it's always uh, great to talk with you. I love talking football with you, baseball, and all the good stuff. And uh, thank you for being with us. Merry Christmas to you. Thanks so much, and appreciate it as always. Y'all have a good Christmas and a happy new year. Dogs on Demand would like to thank Southeast Mortgage, the official home loan lender of the Georgia Bulldogs, for sponsoring our program today. When the time comes to finance or refinance your home, make the smart choice and get your home loan from Southeast Mortgage. Your friends at Southeast Mortgage are ready to help you. Visit southeastmortgage.com slash UGA today for more information. Be sure to visit Dogs on Demand on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and our great interactive website, dogsondemand.com. Join us for our next program as we keep you up to date with the latest sports news from the University of Georgia and more. Until then, be safe and go dogs. <laughs> <laughs>